The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. Plenty of uh, thoughts today on Ted Carter taking off to the Ohio State University. Marcus Satterfield spoke. How are things going as Nebraska gears up a week from Thursday for Minnesota will cover it all. Mitch Sherman joins us in about 10 minutes, make it 15 minutes, as uh, Mitch from The Athletic will have some thoughts on Ted Carter off to another Big Ten school. And uh, how do you take it as a Nebraska fan? 489-1240 to get in, 800-825-5865. Across the state where you hear us, the stream is open for you. And uh, put the life jacket on, dive in. I wish it was... Uh, less uh, humid in the studio. <laughs> I'm going to lose 30 pounds, as they say, but uh, I could use it. So uh, the Hale Varsity YouTube channels where you can watch the show and uh, also fire up the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal at Schmidt underscore radio. Give me a follow. So if it meant keeping Ted Carter, would you go outside and mow in this weather? Hell no. No, no, no. It's it's brutal in here, Schmidt. You just said it. Like back in the old days, and I haven't been here for that long. Back but, in my day, but back in the old days, back before this show was live streamed on YouTube. I mean, most things in radio still aren't. It's been about a year if since it, Ireland. If it was hot in the studio, you go tarps off. You could take that that shirt off and cool off on the studio. And now, like I don't want. I would be never do that. This I would stream. not. I would not face any sort of harassment filing from co-host slash producer well see there was one salt dogs pool's game different. that i was uh, i was working the a couple years ago different. the pool is different but one salt dogs game a couple years took ago took your shirt off i swear the ac broke or something that night it had to have been at least 85 degrees in here and i said i'm not gonna sweat through this shirt because that was the point we were at like i had i had my i was pitting out i had the uh the, the shirt getting all sweaty up around my neck and i said i'm not walking out of here and, uh, and making this a wet t-shirt contest like shirt just coming off and we're gonna stay cool because you know, this building's a lot more empty in the evening than it is throughout the day. And, yeah, that's uh, that's something we could have done previously. But now that we're on video, we don't want to scare away any listeners. I, I honestly think you have a multitude of Nebraska fans that would raise their hand and say, my turn, you get it. If, if Let's just say Ted Carter's yard is a mulched yard, okay, not a bag. Oh. So it's every three days, specifically uh, maybe – Sooner than that, if you get a, a bunch of rainfall, but typically you go about three days if you mulch, and yeah, I, I think you'd have a line of Nebraska fans out there. Ted, how about you just say no to Ohio State, and I'll do your yard. Simplistic, I know. Guy's making one point two million with the bonus, and I know he's donating that to charity, but uh, yeah, this is uh, this is when you. You, you roll your sleeves up, or, or as Elijah does, takes his shirt off, and you just kind of gut it out. You've, you, a lot of you have practiced in this. Some of you, God bless you, work in this. And uh, it's Junior's freaking out about uh, 
you know, the uh, how hot it is and then going to work and it's like, son, there were days that your old man had to go mow the neighborhood. And it was days like today. But and you had to walk uphill both ways. Yeah, yeah, it was snowing, eighteen feet of snow each way. You had a, I did a rod sled, and you just got it handled. But no, in all sincerity, uh, yeah, I I disagree with you. You may not, but I think there's a bunch of Nebraska fans out there that would, if it meant keeping Ted Carter, they'd go out and mow in this type of weather, this type of heat, this type of humidity, this one hundred and fifteen, godforsaken. Uh, temperature index where the humidity is challenging arm wrestling the overnight low. Mm. Uh, so there you go. But hey, Nebraska's fighting through it. It'll get them ready for Minnesota. They took the positive spin with it today after practice. Yeah, and just one final thought here. Not only would I not mow Ted Carter's yard in this weather, I wouldn't mow my own yard. Like in this weather, I'm not asking kidding? you to go mow today during the day. It's acceptable to not swear at your neighbor if he was up at 7 a.m. mowing today. Well, yeah. And, and you have the evening mower mm-hmm. that, that freaks out your dog's personal experience. Uh, Cutter chimes in when we were talking law of averages yesterday. Uh, I was wrong about the law of averages comment yesterday. Bad things continue to happen to us. Okay, let's just go full Monty here with, with the Ted Carter news. And surprised, right? That, that's the reaction. Uh, I'm not surprised Ohio State went after him. I'm not surprised Ohio State got him. And it's not good for Nebraska in the short term. You've got nine days till kickoff, okay? Hayes not in the barn. You're getting ready for it. And the job right now of Rule and the team and Trev and company is to just go play, get better, uh, be sound for four quarters, uh, gut punch the other team, and then be the stronger fourth quarter team. Don't commit turnovers, tackle an open field, go sack the quarterback, cover punts and kickoffs, get a decent return and kickoff, have good field position, and navigate your schedule to a bowl game. Simple enough. You lay out the to-do list. That's the to-do list. Uh, not only for this coming Thursday or next Thursday, I should say, but beyond. Be all, uh, for Boulder, for the, the games you're, you're facing Michigan, your job is to do that 1%, watch it accumulate, and by the end of November, hopefully you're, you're in that seven-win club or six-win club. Uh, Ted Carter, Rule 8, is 63. How long do I think he'll be at Ohio State? Probably five years. He did five years at Navy, uh, signed on at Nebraska in 2019, and it was just over the summer where he was going to have oversight of Nebraska athletics versus the chancellor having that say. So what this means is the Board of Regents, they're going to hire the next systems president, okay? And they're going to try and find somebody that has athletics as part of their background. Hank Bounds had athletics as part of his background. Ted Carter, very interested. What this means long-term, if Matt Rule does what he's supposed to do, it just makes him keep makes keeping Matt Rule that much harder. Mm. Okay? Cuz you have Ted Carter and as good as Trev was is to to keep the conversation going and get the ink uh, dry on the contract. You had Ted Carter's help. You had a lot of respect for Ted Carter from Matt Rule because of their time uh, Temple versus Navy. 
I mean, there's there's a wow factor to Ted Carter. He's big time. He's he's a closer. You've got a good closer in Trev. You still got a great AD, I think, in Trev Alberts, and you still have him in rule. That's fine. But you've had a ton of change between Ronnie going away and and of course Ted Carter now going to Ohio State. Uh, I guess the only silver lining here is you got a guy that's been at Nebraska that now is going to be in Ohio State and it's going to be a it's going to be Ohio State and Michigan calling the shots in the Big 10 still. Uh, Northwestern's clouds probably gone due to the hazing. And then you got USC that's going to come in here and try and flex a little bit. So you've got a changing landscape in college football that you're dealing with. You got a changing landscape in your own conference with four Pac-10 slash Pac-12 teams making the move now. Uh, hopefully Ted remembers the good times in Lincoln and keeps Lincoln in his thoughts and uh, heart uh, if it comes down to Nebraska's place within the Big Ten. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying that, that you had a guy that's that's had a good run here and their undergraduate numbers are incredible and it's it's not a system setup. He doesn't have Carney, he doesn't have UNMC, he doesn't have UNO and he doesn't have Lincoln all to mind. He gets to just hang out at Ohio State and it's right there. And I'm not saying travel's problematic, but it was part of the gig. And then you add football to it. So the Chancellors I should say the, the regents, excuse me. The regents want say in athletics or at least to have their voices heard that wasn't the case with Perlman okay Mm -hmm. wasn't the case in the past it's now set up so their voice is heard and they can go pick their guy or their gal they just got to make the right hire and Ohio State made one hell of a good hire today that starts January 1st so you're going to have to weather this it was big to have Ted Carter here for obvious reasons reasons through COVID with Trev uh, with the transition uh, away from Frost, and it was it was big time to have Ted Carter here to get Matt Rule. You're just not going to have that anymore, and if Rule does what he's supposed to do, Matt Rule will be sought after by others. And I'm not saying Ohio State's who I circle if Ryan Day goes to the NFL or, God forbid, loses to Michigan for a third straight year. My big picture thought on, on Matt Rule, if he does his job in Lincoln, is is that that Penn State gig, mm. and that's timing wise right now. You wonder the, the the connect the dots part is this. All right, we'll just throw it out there. We talked about this off air. Let's talk about it on air. Uh, getting way cart before the horse ish here. It is simple as all right. Jimbo ain't getting the job done. Uh, people at A and M use hundreds and thousands to start a fire. <laughs> Because they have that much oil money. They say, hey, let's go get a guy that's won in the SEC before. James Franklin, how's U10 treating you at Penn State? Oh, still can't get by Ohio State and Michigan? People are tired of it? Hypothetically, A&M says, James, what's it going to take you to move back to the SEC? Then there's an opening in Penn State. One of those buffers could have, should have, would have been, if we get this far cart before the horse is Ted Carter. <laughs> and that ain't happening. So I go back. I need some volunteers to mow yards. <laughs> Ted, can you say no? I know you just said yes. I know you just did a press conference. I know you expressed love and adornment for Nebraska. Anything we can do, says Nebraska fan. 
But, hey, it does not immediately affect 2023. It's after the fact. Yeah, what, what it affects is the fact that, that Trev Alberts and Ted Carter had a very unified vision for not only what the football Unity. program was going to be. Novel thought. They had a unified vision for not only the football program, for the athletic department as a whole, how the academic side would work with the athletic side in tandem to boost each other up. They had a unified vision, and you could see from the outside looking in just how well those two worked together. They were both individuals that I think had had similar personalities. The alpha types, the buck stops with them. They're not going to take any BS. Uh, they're going to be politically savvy on the outside, but on the inside, they're going to they're going to do what it takes in order to to make the right decision, make the right moves for the health of the university. They were very similar in that right, and they worked at least from the outside looking in, seemingly very well together. Can you find somebody that maybe doesn't necessarily have the same unity of purpose, to use another buzzword, that, that Trev and Ted Carter have? But you can't have somebody that stands in the way of what Trev Alberts wants with the athletic department and with the football program. And if you can find a person that's going to work hand-in-hand hand with Trev, that's great. But it's going to be hard to replace a guy like Ted Carter simply because of how well those two, Trev and, and Ted, their personalities seem to mesh together. And... If you saw anything differently, Schmidt, if you, you like, me. if you but those no, are two guys like, that if, just they, they were cut from the same cloth. If you like your boss, and you and your boss are both good at your job, I mean it can it can be harmony, and you have communication, and it's it's important for the regents to to and I don't know that you can go find him, man. Can you go find another Ted Carter? There's only. One, and I'm not trying to make too big a deal out of this because it's the, the breaking news of the day, but it is absolutely about the unity part. And that's what screwed up Nebraska forever because you had the, the chancellor and the president and the athletic department not always hanging out. It was always, it felt like kind of power. And not only did the university with the athletic department for years make their own money, but they were damn good, and they, they, they had the weight and the support, and they earned that. And if you're the, uh, the academic side of things, well, you probably don't like being told what to do or having to, to, to be a, a back seat. And it was kind of that constant struggle. You rarely do you have the academic and the academic uh, being able to just hang out and coexist. I think you've had that with Ted in place. Well, it's because Ted and Trev had this unspoken understanding of their visions for the university. I, like, you mentioned the communication you got a guy factor. Who, you got a guy who got it yes. at the highest level of academia. There was so much that could be left unsaid between Trev and Ted because of the fact that they both knew what the vision was and how to execute that vision. And that's why we talk about the unity is that I – mean, I'm sure there was communication going on behind the scenes, but those two, whenever those two got up and spoke independently, they echoed the same things because they had that same vision. Sure. Well, Eric nails it here. Uh, You know, it's one thing if Ted leaves, who replaces him is got to stay out of Trev's way. Do you find a guy that that will, will, will do that? Just because he gets to oversee football now, is his assistance, his or her assistance going to be needed, wanted, and helpful or is it going to be divisive in the way or this guy or gal doesn't know what the hell they're doing or talking about and does it screw things up for a vision that's laid out i mean that's just it it's change it's uncomfortable and uh, you've got uh, till till january to make sure uh, you can change his mind (laughs) i'm kidding you're not gonna but no i mean ohio state's 
listen, I'm a proud Nebraska guy, graduated, did uh, graduate school work at Nebraska. I'm, I'm floored by how impressive the university is. So it's, it's an awesome spot. Ohio State is pretty impressive. Yeah, the, the, in, the, the in best itself. way to put that is uh, it sucks, but you can't fault Ted Carter for wanting to go to Ohio State. No, you can't. It's a big time. And Nebraska's big time, too. But Ohio State, in terms of just national relevance, not only in football, but in academics and everything, they're big time. We'll get uh, Mitch Sherman's take and get uh, Scott's comment. Hale Varsity continues. It's that time. Hey, Mitch. Mitchie. Mitchie, Mitchie, Mitchie. We're looking for you, pal. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic, talking big red. Unleash the fury, Mitch. Unleash the fury! On Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. The Athletics' Mitch Sherman joins us at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, how are we doing? Doing well. Chris, how are you? We're uh, absorbing the news on Ted Carter. I'm sure you are as well. Reaction, level of shock out of 10. Um, like a nine, I'd say. Yeah. Pretty surprising. You know, this isn't like this isn't like football coaching openings where I think everyone is aware of jobs that need to be filled. And this Ohio State job has been open for quite a while, all of all of twenty twenty three. So I assume if you're in the higher ed field and are aware of who potential candidates might be or you know, who's a hot name, a rising name, um, it wouldn't come perhaps as so much of a surprise, but I was not aware that Ted Carter could be a candidate at Ohio State, just full disclosure there. So it was very much a surprise. And, and you know, I think just because of some of the momentum that we've seen, and, 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 you know, we live in this little world of athletics, but I'm relatively aware of what's going on on a larger scale for the University of Nebraska system, and there's been some momentum under – Ted Carter, you know, he took over at a difficult time right before COVID hit in January of, of 2020. And, and, you know, unlike some leaders who came in at that exact moment, um, he's guided Nebraska through this in, in a good spot and I think is, is respected and, and very well liked. And, and certainly as it relates to athletics, he's somebody that um, has done outstanding things. You know, it's, there, there, there's a good argument to be made, I think a solid argument that, that Trev Alberts and Matt Rule would not be at Nebraska if not for Ted Carter's involvement. Um, so that's, that's uh, significant. And uh, yeah, this, this comes as, as quite a shock right here uh, in this moment. I would say it's, a, it's an inopportune moment um, for Nebraska to have its leadership structure compromised in, in the way that it does now uh, until a new president is, is hired and until we, we find out who that is and, and you know, how that person is, uh, is, is going to lead this just the university system, uh, but but also uh, guide uh, the Lincoln campus as it relates to athletics, because that's what we're uh, we're here talking about right now. It is, and, and Elijah nailed the the point of unity with Ted and Trev and, and Rule, and it, it's always talked about every coaching that gets every coach that gets hired in Lincoln uh, talks about the administration and the support and how it's. You know, kumbaya, but it it really felt like or looked like it was with with those three names. Um, when we talk about Ted Carter and and Coach Rule, he was very impactful in in helping get Rule here, and 
and you know you, you you look at rule and if he does what he's supposed to do again cart before the horse keeping back with last segment mitch <laughs> um you know with with without ted carter here does it make it harder to keep matt rule in lincoln if if it ever comes to that yeah i think so but i you know you also need to need to wait and see who the next president is and really what that president's role will be with nebraska athletics they have varied roles you know ted carter is probably more involved certainly as involved as any recent NU president with the football program and with the athletic department. And some of that is because of the change that has occurred in the last year here with the chancellor spot. Usually it's the chancellor that has that kind of a relationship with the athletic director and, and, you know, as a result, the football coach. So maybe Rodney Bennett as the new chancellor at Nebraska will, will step into a position where he develops a relationship or expands that relationship with Trev Albertson, develops a relationship with Matt Rule that turns into something that is as important or close to as important for Rule as uh, the way that he feels about Ted Carter. Or maybe it will be the next NU president. Um, you know, the person in Ted Carter's seat has four canvases to think about, and we, we don't know if, if the, they'll find somebody or if they'll even look for somebody who prioritizes Nebraska sports in the same way that Ted Carter has. Certainly it's an important thing, and the, the regents made that clear this summer when they talked about that transition of power for the Big Ten uh, Council of Presidents and Chancellors and put Carter into that role instead of the, the UNL Chancellor. But um, you know, the next president might be more interested in, um, in growth and, and research at the Med Center than he or she is with uh, what Nebraska football is ranked nationally. So if that's the case, then maybe that, that leadership and that those relationships shift back to the Lincoln campus and, and Rodney Bennett is in a, a very important spot. He is in an important spot, but it is an, is an important an important spot um, as, it, as w- the conversation pertains to Nebraska football. Mitch, you mentioned that, that transition of power this summer from the chancellor's office to the president's office in terms of athletics. And I want to get your take on, on what that this is going to mean for that moving forward. Does this seem like a, a bad idea to you now with the benefit of hindsight, being able to see that Ted Carter has left and gone to Ohio State, or at least will be on January 1st? Well, I don't think they would have made that move if they knew that he was going to leave in, in August. <laughs> they knew that he was looking at the Ohio State job and, and had the potential to, to, to leave Nebraska. Um, we'll see again, that's going to depend on, you know, at that point when they, when they made that decision to shift, it looked, it looked solid because Ted Carter is such a respected voice when it, on, on big 10 matters on NCAA matters, and he carries clout. So it was important for Nebraska to have a big voice in the room in the, in the Big Ten. And I think it's more important for Nebraska, even even now moving forward, to have a big voice in the room when four more loud schools from the West Coast come into the league in, in 2024. So whether it's the chancellor, that's Bennett, who we know, or the future president, who we don't know, whoever that is that represents Nebraska on the Big Ten Council of Presidents and Chancellors, the reasons need to make sure that it's somebody who represents Nebraska well, of course, but also is able to exert some influence and allow Nebraska to be a part of important decisions. Mitch Sherman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch, get a shift away from, from Carter's departure. 
and uh, kind of turned the attention to, to Minnesota and uh, the, the football program specifically with what's ahead for them. And we both uh, heard from Coach Satterfield today. And, uh, you know, when we talk about the, the Nebraska offense, I want to get your take. Do you think they're going to have a lean, i.e., pro style under center eye formation or shotgun spread? I ask that. Do you think they'll be able to do either? well, well enough on offense based on the matchup they have and the defenses they're facing? Are they going to be able to be uh, positionless in a sense of what, what style of offense they want to go at? I think it's going to be a challenge in week one, but you know maybe not as much of a challenge as it would be if you were playing Minnesota midseason. I think they're going to take some time to round into form. That's generally been the case for the Gophers is that they haven't been there best in week one or week two, and most teams aren't, or few teams are, and Nebraska has not been its best in week one by any stretch in the last few years, thinking back to the Northwestern game last year and the Illinois game the year before that. So, you know, you're probably going to see two, two teams that are, that are a, 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 um, you know, a, a compromised version of their final selves when we watch that game next Thursday night. And, and I think Nebraska is going to come out and, and try to be a, a power team because I think that minimizes potential mistakes and that, that if you can make that work under center and have a fullback or have two tight ends, just two wide receivers. And some of this too is a conversation about the wide receiver mm-hmm. availability. If you know, if you had four or five guys who were ready to go at wide receiver, then you'd be more apt to go into a spread offense with one back and one tight end. But really there's the, the strength of this team right now, personnel wise is, with its running backs and with those two tight ends, as long as Thomas Fedoni and Nate Borkature are healthy, they're two of the uh, of the of the players on this roster who I think Nebraska feels and Marcus Satterfield feels like they can depend on. So, just from from that point of view, I think Nebraska will be more power to start the game, and if they can get some things to to work in that area, then yeah, they'll go from there and they'll try to spread it out a little bit. They don't want to have to spread it out because things aren't working at the power level. I mean, that's, that's, um, that's a red, there, you know, there are several things that can happen in this game that would be a red flag. And one, after all we've heard about the defense in, in preseason camp, if Minnesota goes in, out and, and drives the field in eight plays, you know, methodically at, at, at the start of the, the game, I think that's, that's a bad sign for how it's going to go on Thursday night. And, and um, likewise on the offensive side, if Nebraska can't do anything, struggles to move the ball when it's in its power sets, then that's also uh, a sign of uh, that, that this isn't going to be the kind of game they're hoping for. Mitch, with a laundry list of question marks heading into this this game against Minnesota, what are one or two things you're confident in seeing next Thursday night? I think the defense is going to is going to create some uh, some some chaos, and again, that's kind of that's kind of has to do with the matchups and. and Minnesota is going to be conservative. I'm, I'm confident in that. But, I, but at the same time, I'm confident that Nebraska and Tony White with this defense and the experience that it has and the leaders who have emerged, some new and some returning from last year, that they're going to be able to find a way to get Minnesota um, out of rhythm and behind the sticks at times. And then that, that's where the, the, the potential for chaos comes in, whether it's a, um, a play behind the line of scrimmage, a, a turnover. Um, I don't think Minnesota is going to be a well-oiled machine on the offensive side, they're replacing a lot of pieces at receiver and running back, and they've got a quarterback with minimalist experience, although enough experience that 
you can expect he's going to be ready to go. Um, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm confident in, in that about the Nebraska defense. Offensively, I would say I'm confident in the tight end position, which is a little bit of a strange thing to say because you're talking about one player in Thomas Fedoni who's hardly been on the field at all in his career. We're one game, a couple of snaps against Wisconsin as a true freshman two years ago. But I think he's done so much in the offseason to prove himself and, and to get ready for, for, for next week that I feel pretty confident that he's going to be a factor in this game. And, and his partner in crime, Borkutcher, Nate Borkutcher, uh, new on scholarship this, this year, I also feel good that, that he'll, he's going to do the right things. He's going to put Nebraska in a position where he can make plays. So of all the position groups, you know, if you're talking about the running backs, the quarterbacks, the receivers, the offensive line, I think I'd probably feel best about those two tight ends for Nebraska on the offense. Mitch, uh, I'm going to need two minutes on the other side. Can I put yeah, you sure. on the spot <laughs> and, and ask that? So good. Appreciate you. Mitch Sherman continues with us. A couple more thoughts for Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. You can find him and follow him. Do so on Twitter. We got to get into the uh, the fumbling topic, and we'll get there next with Mitch Sherman. More reaction on Ted Carter's announcement. Hail Varsity continues. We're presented by Currency. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Mitch Sherman as he's given us a little overtime with the Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, thanks for hanging tight. I wanted to get into Anthony Grant, his role, and the, the, the fumbles that have been talked about, not only by Coach Rule, but addressed by Satterfield today. And I, I'm a little surprised. I know Grant carried the ball the, the most out of the backs for Nebraska last year coming into this year, but it seems like a sudden issue for him because I didn't – I don't – put Grant in that category of, of a fumbler. Right. Um, you know, it could be a, a situation where he's a little beat up, worn down after what's been what was a very taxing three weeks of camp. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot from an injury standpoint to, uh, to lead to potentially a, a fumbling issue. So, because it's not been something with him that has occurred over the long term, and we didn't see it last year, I believe the number is. Had I had to look this up on the weekend when I heard when Rule made the comments, he 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 lost it three times last year, fumbled it three times last year, and you know that's that's um, not bad. Two hundred eighteen rushing attempts. I'm looking at this now, and eighteen receptions. So. 236 plays, three fumbles. It's, yeah, I mean, it's not been an issue for him in his career or, or in his time at Nebraska. I'd expect that it'll be short-lived. And, and, you know, the reason it was pointed out on Saturday is because, you know, Matt Rule expects that Anthony can get over this. If it was a freshman who that happened to or somebody who was more inexperienced, I don't know that we would have heard the coach single him out in the way that, that Rule did. So, And then the only reason Satterfield talked about it today is because we had that information from from Saturday with Matt Rule singling him out. And, and you know, I think that was strategic on Rule's part. He wants to uh, to make sure that's, that he wants that to be out there. He wants uh, Anthony to understand, and I think, and I'm sure Anthony does, the importance of, of that and why it can't happen. And, and that's really what Satterfield just reinforced today in, in talking about what, a, what a, a valued piece of the offense Anthony Grant can be and is, but in echoing the head coach, he's got to hold on to the ball. 
or the opportunity to carry it is not going to be there. Mitch, with what you know about this coaching staff, do you think there's any chance they're putting out smoke right now to the media in order to confuse Minnesota in their game prep? Do you think that's their style? <laughs> no, I really don't. <laughs> you know, I don't think they're a deceptive type. Uh, I don't think they, they play games through the media. You know, Matt Rule comes across as an extremely straight shooter, and, you know, that was that was no more evident than it was on Saturday when he talked for about 15 minutes and, you know, uncovered eight or nine items that were of pretty pressing interest. I mean, maybe not pressing interest to someone who doesn't follow Nebraska closely, but if you've been, been around camp, you know, these are the things that you want to know about. Hey, what's going to happen with the captains or the black shirts or the depth chart or who's the starting running back or how does the backup quarterback position look? Um, what about the injuries, you know, the fumbling issue? These are all pressing topics and, and, and you know, things that he addressed without, without – um, you know, much concern seemingly at all. He's just, he, he was an open book, and, and that's the way he's been most of the time. So I don't think there's, there's a lot of games being played. Um, you know, I, I think with Minnesota, there's, Nebraska understands and Minnesota understands that there's a, a level of, of uncertainty with, on, the, on the part of both coaching staffs when it comes to what the other team is going to do. That's always the case in an opener. It's even more the case in an opener when, when one of the teams has got a new system or two new systems in the case of Nebraska. So just like Minnesota doesn't know what Nebraska is going to do. Nebraska doesn't know how Minnesota has devised up plans to attack this thing. So um, not really, I, you know, there, at times in football, there is some cat and mouse that's played, but I don't think that's what we're seeing here. Yay or nay, Mitch, would you mow in this weather? No, no, <laughs> absolutely not. And, and it's, I can look out my window and, and, see the uh, ramifications of that answer right now because it needs to be done but it has it's, it's going to wait until sometime when the heat index is below 120 okay i i just thought i'd ask yeah, i was trying to find volunteers the, the only positive to this kind of weather going outside and working in it is it makes the shower beer afterwards taste that much better that's that's fair no, I just Peter, suggest. Piper today say that he lost ten pounds of sweat. At yeah, practice. I did. I, he, yeah. <laughs> why can't that happen to those of us over forty-five? It's all I'm asking. For the you room. might be in the hospital if it did. As <laughs> 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 Elijah sends me outside, I love it. Um, Mitch, you take care, bud. Thanks for jumping on, and giving us some overtime. All right, thanks a lot, See, guys. Man. There he is. <laughs> Mitch is like, absolutely not. I'm not mowing in this. Don't blame him. It's all right. Well, the, the, the positive, as if we kind of marry what Mitch and I just said, if you lose 10 pounds, that's 10 pounds you can then go and replace with beer. That's fair. That's fair. Todd, our, our faithful emailer, uh, is more manly than, than the room. I actually mowed, this is Todd, from 1.30 to 3 today. Push mower. I trimmed it. And then uh, ride and bag the rest. I'm also not a fragile bee. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And here I was going to ask him, like, why? I was going to ask why, but there it is. Well, and and Todd's like, I put periods so you don't butcher my words, period. I also (laughs) have never heard of Mr. Carter. Well, Ted Carter's the president. System president. Thanks for who, clarifying. I thought, who, I thought you meant U.S. president for a no, second. No, uh, <laughs> Who liked sports, who worked well with the athletic director and football coach. That's not always been a thing in Lincoln. But, uh, Todd, thank you for not being a fragile bee. 
That's impressive. That's important. So we've exhausted the the Ted Carter talk, but it's still going to loom and it's going to be out there. Scheduled to have Lars Anderson with us in about 15 minutes. Anxious to talk to him about uh, Nebraska. He's a, a guy who's covering Bama has for years, but he's loving uh, loving uh, what things may become in Lincoln. So we'll get his take there. But now, just to, to put a wrap on this, and, and Scott chimed in as well, you're welcome to check out the StreamYard, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Scott's like, I can't help but think privately that Trev and Coach Rule are seething right now. I don't know that they're seething unless they were blindsided by it. I don't think Ted's going to go do a, a presser today without probably giving them a heads up last week. Because in, in fairness, there was 100 candidates for Carter. He was picked out of a hundred, so I mean that's that's quite a list. Ohio State's got everybody in the world probably applying for that gig that thinks they're worthy, and they've got to have that that dual threat ability to make it back to football, that get athletics and also thrive in academics. Well, the thing you're going to lose is absolute, steady, fantastic leadership administratively. Still have that with Trev. Still got a good coach that can do some things. But again, the unity part, Elijah, is the nail on the head. And I don't think they're seething because they understand that's a part of the business. Matt Rule left multiple rebuilds. He left Temple to go to Baylor. He left Baylor to go to the NFL. Like It's part of the job that sometimes whenever the opportunity that's best for you and your family comes, you take that opportunity or what's best for the university. I mean, Trev had to make the hard decision of cutting the wrestling program at UNO. Like That was a, an impossible decision that he got a lot of flack over back in the day. Still? Still gets a lot of flack over, and guess what? It was the right decision for the university at the time, and uh, I, I think those two probably have enough maturity to understand that when Ohio State comes calling to, to be the president, it's what's best for your family to go take that job, especially whenever you're getting up there in age, probably looking at your last gig or two if you're Ted Carter. I, I don't think you're going to be angry at a guy taking care of his family and doing what's best for himself. We'll wind down Hour 1 coming up. Uh, thoughts from Marcus Satterfield, and uh, a fullback makes an appearance. Hail Varsity continues. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, be sure to get the podcast downloaded, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, the entire show or the segments you want to hear uh, with Hale Varsity Radio. You can also watch the show and uh, do so on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, 489-1240. We have uh, a new poll out by MSN to tell you about when it comes to sports fans. And uh, what fan are you? And are you that guy or gal that breaks things when your team doesn't win? Or do you know somebody that uh, goes to that deep, dark place? Uh, It's dialed back a bit after Nebraska losses. I say that because, dare I say, you've gotten used to them. Mm-hmm. over the years, the last 10 years. Not all 10 years, but a lot of them. So it's um, not as detrimental for the week. I still let my Broncos ruin my mood a lot, though. Yeah, but even last year, by by the, the, the eighth loss, you were probably more numb. Well, it wasn't the losses last year that did to me. It was the way they lost games and, ah. and the fact that they still found a way to to get me to watch all three hours of the most pitiful football I've ever seen, especially offensively. Like the amount of punts I saw last year from the Denver Broncos and all their opponents, like 
it was enough for a lifetime. Yeah. And I sat there and watched the entire thing, and then Sunday Night Football would roll around and I'd be sitting on my after couch watching, After watching Big Ten football, where punting is, punting's an art and, and embraced, I mean, it's 20-17 to 17 every week, and you got to survive it. 489-1240, numbers to get in. Is uh, we've reacted to Ted Carter. You know what? Big time loss for Nebraska. They'll need to make uh, another hire is good. Good luck in that with Carter. The short term, Nebraska's got a season in front of them. They'll be able to, to manage and navigate. The, the season is what it is, but uh, bigger picture, longer term implications uh, could be real with Carter's departure. And I... I'm wondering what this search is going to actually look like over the next couple of months. How involved are people like Trev Alberts and even Ted Carter himself? Has he earned that right over the past couple <laughs> Absolutely. of years? Absolutely. Ted, hire your replacement, please. Okay. Can you do that for us? We'll give you a bonus. I mean, you think about the four years that he spent here as Nebraska's president, very rarely made a misstep. I think the Regents had him as accomplishing over 95% of the goals that they laid out for him whenever he was hired. Like, he nailed it on mm-hmm. job performance, on relationships, on how he handled the, the University of Nebraska as a whole. I think, Guys that work the top gun tend to do that. I'm not – yeah, that's very true. Uh, wait, wait. Do you do it? Wait, do you do it? Wait. Look at, look at Elijah. Yeah, I had it ready to go. Yeah, and – Dare we go danger zone? Well, you hope the university doesn't go into no, danger I, zone. No, I, I pray no. Oh, I didn't even think about that when I queued this up. Is this an indication that the University of Nebraska is on the highway to the danger zone? I, I hope not Kenny Loggins, the king of all 80s music slash uh, soundtracks. Reminder about your friends at Dyer Law when it comes to workers' comp. Confused about the options you have with workers' compensation? Put your trust in the team at Dyer let them ensure that uh, your rights are protected and you get the settlement you deserve. Call Dyer Law today at 402-393-7529 or visit Dyer.Law. Dyer.Law and visit with a trusted professional about your workers' comp claim. DyerLaw.com. All right, Lars Anderson on deck. Hour two on the way with Hale Varsity presented by Currency. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio. or presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. You can stream the show, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio, and across the state with our Hale Varsity affiliates. We welcome in big-time friend of the show and host of his own show, Noon to Two, across the state in Alabama, covers the Crimson Tide and has his heart in Nebraska, longtime Nebraska uh, fan growing up and has done just great work in the world of college football. New York Times bestselling author Lars Anderson with us at Lars Anderson 71 is uh, where you follow him on Twitter. Lars, we've, we've got the, uh, the, the video feed all set up. We got Casa de Large under construction, so we just get the voice. How you doing today? <laughs> 
I don't even know how to respond to that. Um, I'm doing great. I'm doing great, man. Uh, wonderful to be with you guys. Um, I hear that uh, you're finally, you know, you're experiencing a little bit of Alabama heat in Nebraska. <laughs> you need to toughen you guys up. Well, you know, we started the show off in, in Nebraska's systems president, Ted Carter, is taking the Ohio State job. That bombshell dropped a little bit earlier. Normally, who cares? But he's a, a big-time guy who's a, a monster leader, a guy that came from the Naval Academy, of course, Lars, and just a steady hand through really trying times since he got here in 2019. And the topic of unity is so important for Nebraska's athletic department. They haven't had it. They had it with Ted and Trev and now Matt Rule and it's been a, a bit of a, a discussion point today. So we, we were trying to find volunteers. If we could find enough people to mow Ted Quarter's yard in today's weather like today, then maybe he'd stay. But, yeah, we are getting a lot of Bama today where the heat index is 115. Yeah, um, I'm really good friends with Matt Finkus, who's a former All-American defensive end from Ohio State. And I think um, he summed up in a text message to me in a very eloquent, deep, thoughtful manner. Be, be careful because we're still on radio. <laughs> <laughs> how Ohio State fans feel about Nebraska right now. And the text was, uh, ha, 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 ha. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, you know, it never is great when your university president leaves, but it's even worse when he leaves and make you feel like you're a stepping stone and uh, it sort of puts you in your place of uh, where <laughs> where he'd rather work. And I, 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 if I'm in Lincoln throughout the state, I'm pretty pissed off. Well, Lars, from, from base your- salary is going to be 1.1 million. I don't, I don't blame Carter. I, I, I don't. I mean, and I'm not knocking where I've grown up or where I went to school. I love it. Ohio State's going to call shots, Lars. They call shots in the Big Ten. Yeah, and uh, actually, Matt, we did go back and forth, and he was hoping that for some reason it'd be Jim Tressel would be the next president of Ohio State. But, um, you know, I, I honestly don't know a, a ton of the details, but just the it's not a great look. The perception is is not real positive. Um, but I do think there are a lot of positive things going on in Nebraska in the athletic department. I think the leadership by Trev has is, is, uh, been uh, really solid and, um, Matt rule is, uh, you know, saying all the right things and, um, you know, we'll see, uh, for, for about, a, uh, six months or so, my radio partner was uh, Christian Miller who played uh, defensive end sort of linebacker at Alabama. And then he played for Matt rule at Carolina. And I got to say, uh, he's no big fan of Matt rule. Why, and, why is that? Uh, why is that? Because I've heard both sides of it. I've heard from some Carolina players, specifically Amir Abdullah, that loved him, and and I'm, you know, and then you've got the fan base that didn't like the the number. You've got the rule supporters out there that are like, look, the guy didn't have a quarterback. He, he had yeah no help, and and Carolina did what they did, and not all of Rule's staff was 
was uh, jettisoned from from the you know last season. Some of them were retained. Well, so what's what's the what's the scoop from a former player? From what I gather, is he brought most of his guys uh, from Baylor. A lot uh, of them, yeah. Like, even like strength and conditioning guys mm-hmm. who didn't have much experience in the NFL to Carolina and, uh, you know, support staff kind of thing. And, um, you know, a complaint you hear from players a lot when NFL players, when they are on a team, coach gets fired and then a college coach comes in is what? Well, he's treating us like college kids. Right. And you can't do that. You just can't do that. Um, the, the, the power structure of an NFL team is much different than the power structure of a college football team. Mm-hmm. Although it's changing with NIL money because you have to treat the quarterback who's making about as much money as the coach uh, a little bit different <laughs> in college than you, than you do. Just and, in and the I SEC, was... Lars, just in the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, give Missouri governor, uh, what, I forget his name, <laughs> but give him credit, man. <laughs> it's just like, what, what, what more can they do? Um, I'm sure you saw that bill that was passed that, uh, if you're an in-state player in Missouri and you commit to Missouri, you now can be paid NIL money by Missouri. <laughs> Man. Like, what's next? I mean, you know, uh, I think we need federal legislation on NIL. Uh, do I think it's going to happen? Well, not with the great Tommy Tuberville leading the charge. Uh, <laughs> it's it's just, look, college football, it, it, it's an absolute I think train wreck right now. There is no middle class anymore. Um, if a if a team like where where I live uh, in Birmingham, Alabama, let's say UAB has a player who is uh, sort of lightly recruited, maybe like three star, and he comes and as a freshman he absolutely exceeds expectations and is just this stud, say corner. And what's he going to do? I mean, if, if Alabama comes calling and offers him NIL money, of course he's gone. All of the best players from the, the middle class of college football are going to be moving to the upper class. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have this widening gulf between the, the, the sort of the two echelons, right, or the two uh, classes of college football. And so and, and you can't blame the player. Because the player is now incentivized to do sort of exactly what I just mentioned uh, in in that uh, in that scenario, and something needs to change. And the only way to change it, I believe, is through uh, federal legislation. But the problem is, as you guys know, Congress is really a reactive body, not a proactive body. Lars, going to jump in, and in right, Tuberville's. Not everyone's favorite. Some folks like him. He's got college football background. Uh, we'll get into some some thoughts on Nebraska and Bama in a second season-wise. But you do have Mansion that's boys with Saban. And if anyone yeah. can, can kind of get it centered or what he thinks is best for college football and, and also separate that for what's best from Alabama. I mean, I think Saban does care about, well, Nick Saban in Alabama, but I think he cares about college football. And Saban's still part of the old guard. So I think at least you got Manchin in there 
at least uh, to, to, to listen to Saban's suggestion, wouldn't you think? Because they go back a, a lot of years at West Virginia. Yeah, they're, they're uh, really, really close. Um, I think one possible solution is if we, if we knock out Congress is you, you make all athletes employees of the school. And then you have a, a methodology, a system of uh, compensation. And that would, I think, level the playing field to a degree. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a challenge moving forward. And, it, you know, even for a program like Nebraska, as much uh, heritage, history, uh, richness to it, if a if a if a player at Nebraska uh, can you know sort of overachieve, and then he finds out that say Ohio State can pay him a million dollars a year, he's going to go to Ohio State. I mean, it, it's uh, it, it's it's crazy to say. Got, got to fix the got to fix the portals. Got to fix the portal system. Well, well, yeah. Lars, from your outside perspective, looking in here, we've talked about. Ted Carter jumping ship for Ohio State, the possibility of Husker players jumping ship and going somewhere like Ohio State, or we saw last year with Ernest Houseman going to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Do you see Nebraska from your outside perspective as a stepping stone program in college football right now for everyone from leadership down to players? We were talking last hour about the potential for Matt Rule maybe somewhere down the road to jump ship and go back to his alma mater at Penn State. Do you see Nebraska as a stepping stone? Gosh, I hope not, but, um, you know, all evidence to the contrary. Yeah, yeah, I mean – We'll have to see. We'll have to see how it shakes out. And um, I, I hope that Matt Rule, um, you know, just gets back to what 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 are the distinguishing characteristics of a good Nebraska team? What does Nebraska do well? What physical, does Nebraska do physical, than physical. Else? They they were physical. They were deep. They were talented. They were developed. Punch you in the mouth. Yep. Yeah. And uh, they got to do that same thing. It, it, the the finesse, I, I just hope this experiment of finesse, spread them out, four wide, uh, is, is over at Nebraska and just get back to uh, smash mouth. And I, I know that's not sexy. It's not what is uh, sort of trending in college football. However, at, in, in, at Alabama, you are, we are going to see uh, exactly that as sort of a, a back to the future look mm. of the Alabama offense. Um, it's going to be much more run heavy uh, in the uh, really it's going to be uh, the ball control, mm-hmm. uh, make, have your quarterback not make mistakes. Nick Saban always talks about any possession that ends with a kick is good, whether it's an extra point, a field goal attempt or a punt, uh, just take care of the ball. And then you win with suffocating defense. And that for a long time was the prescription for success at Nebraska. And I, I, and I think you still can do that. Um, but it, Nebraska has to be able to develop those three star players into essentially like four, four and a half star guys. Right. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the, the, the five stars, like if, if Nebraska can't get Dylan Rayola, <laughs> what you're not going to get any five-star quarterbacks coming to Lincoln anytime soon. Well, and, and that's that's fine. Uh, you know, you got Jeff Sims, you've got the portal, you've got recruiting, and uh, you've got that that D word we're talking about, development. And uh, you you have a a guy perceived to be 
ahead of the curve and out of the gates. And, and Raiola very well could be, could be incredible uh, at Georgia with the talent around him on top of his ability. Absolutely. That's a hard fight for Nebraska right now, despite the, the family ties. Yeah. And, and you got to, you got to figure out a way uh, so you didn't get him. Uh, I want to. Did you guys ever? Did you guys ever think that Nebraska had a legit chance of landing Rayola? Um, I thought they were they were in it until they weren't. If that makes sense. Um, and what I mean by that is, I think Nebraska was very much in the conversation. I just don't know where it broke down. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure Nebraska was ever in the lead, but I do believe they were in the race. Yeah, and and I think they. When, when push comes to shove, I, I think it was just too tough. I think, yeah, the NIL part was an issue, but I don't think Nebraska was so dramatically different with what they could have spent. I mean, Nebraska's got, you know, Nebraska has resources as well, Lars. I mean, uh, so do they have Georgia resources? I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, not the treasurer for the, uh, the the booster club in Lincoln or in Athens. I do know that you're working on a third straight national championship at Georgia, and and that's that's something very few teams are able to compete with. So there's that. Um, I'm interested, Lars. I got about 90 seconds before I got to take a break. I want to keep you for a couple minutes on the other side if that can work. Is that all right with you? Yeah, you bet. So real quick though. Lars Anderson gets five grand, and do you put it on six and a half over or under the six and a half number? You taking overs and unders with the Nebraska win total right now? Lars Anderson five thousand dollars does what? Uh, I think the win total is right at six. I really do. So it's a push, <laughs> and, and I think that should be yeah. That that would be a successful year if Nebraska can get to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. That's a successful year in my estimation, and um. It'll just be fascinating to see exactly how Matt Rule um, coaches his team, how the kids play for him. Do they play hard? Uh, do they show that grit and determination that have been the hallmarks of really good Nebraska teams in the past? And it, it seems like uh, Matt Rule has really adopted the culture of Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love how he refers to you know, when he's talking about old older teams, uh, he talks about us. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not this—he's not a Mike Riley outsider, right? <laughs> that was just a terrible hire, terrible fit. Uh, but um, and and I'm hearing really good things. I'm sure you guys are too about Jeff Sims. Yeah, he, we'll, we'll he, get we'll get there. Yeah, he, he could be really really nice for Nebraska. Lars, we'll get there. I want to get into a little bit too of of some of the parallels that that rules facing. And you've covered uh, St. Nick a long time down there in Tuscaloosa. Saban came back from the NFL. Similar tag on him. He was two hands on in the NFL. We'll get there with Lars Anderson, uh, college football uh, host and insider. New York Times bestselling author continues. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks. A few more minutes. Lars Anderson with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. And uh, Lars, of course, uh, host with uh, his show across the state in Alabama and a New York Times best-selling author. Find Lars on Twitter at LarsAnderson71. David writes in, any of the guys at Hale Varsity bet like five grand on the over six and a half wins. I asked Lars that question. He thinks it's at six. I don't have five grand. I will need to go raid my wife's bank account to do that 
uh, you going to pass the hat around, Elijah, or are you just going to sell one of your blue chipper stocks because you've been doing well in the market, I assume, the tech side? Uh, I'll just say, <laughs> well, well uh, I'm not going to get into my financials here on no, the air. You, that, that, don't that, do it. Sto- this, large, the stocks have you're been more fine. likely to have five grand than I am, is uh, what I'm saying. I'll just say, I don't think that would be a smart financial decision. Not because I don't think it's going to happen, but because Vegas, the, the hotels and casinos in Vegas are tall and big for a reason. Right. Lars, fair enough answer. That is fair enough. And uh, I was I, I've been thinking this for a while now that, you know, if Nebraska will change their nickname from Cornhuskers to the Berkshire Hathaways, the Fighting Burks, maybe, maybe they'll have a chance. The Fighting Burks. Well, call Uncle Warren up. I, I get what you're saying. So I want to get into to Saban and, and Lars, you were there when he came back from the NFL and. Saban's reputation in the NFL, a little bit too hands-on, and, and he didn't like it. Nick's a guy that needs control, totally get it. And I think Matt Rule, to his credit, is very hands-on, and that's going to lead to to more physical play, better tackling. I mean, Nebraska, I think, to your point, uh, can get back to smash mouth under Matt Rule because that's how they, they, they're going to practice. You assume that they practice and play the, the same way. What was it about Saban, his to-do list, if you can remember? Because was it a talent issue or was it a coaching issue with Bama for that 10-year period between 92 and when Nick got there? It was a little longer than that, but they had the little Sean Alexander season or two where they were an 11-12 win football team. It, it was both, um, but Nick arrived, his first season was 2007, uh, 2008, they get to the SEC championship game. 2009, mostly with Mike Shula's players, they win the national championship. Mm-hmm. And so uh, th- it was coaching. It was coaching right there. But uh, the most important development, I think, early on in uh, Nick Saban's tenure in Tuscaloosa was the fact that he was able to flip Julio Jones. Uh, who's one of the most talented wide receivers I've ever laid eyes on. And uh, Julio was uh, from uh, Foley High School uh, outside of Mobile in southern Alabama, and he had committed to go to Oklahoma. And uh, they had Sam Bradford at the Mm -hmm. time uh, who would go on to become the number one overall pick. And Nick went down there, even though uh, Julio was just fully committed to uh, to Oklahoma. Nick went into his his uh, house and met with uh, his mom and and said, hey, you know how good you are. I'm telling you, we are coming at Alabama and we want you, but I only want you if you want us. And he basically got up and left. And Julio Jones was just like thunderstruck. And next thing you know, Julio Jones, he commits, he, he decommits from Oklahoma, commits to Alabama. And that changed everything, absolutely everything. It was just that one commitment from Julio Jones. And suddenly the floodgates opened, um, especially here in, in, in the deep south where you know, five stars are growing on trees, it seems like. And, uh, and, and Nick 
very quickly was able to get the, the, the pick of the recruiting litter, so to speak. And I, I don't know that if it, it, that, so to me, and I've written two books on the guy, that was the defining moment of okay. Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa was, uh, it was the recruitment of Julio Jones. Now, could there be a defining moment, a program changing moment for Matt rule? Absolutely. Absolutely. There could be. Uh, and I, I thought Dylan Rayola perhaps could be that kid, you know, and, uh, and, but th- that doesn't mean that, um, that, that just because they missed on, he missed on Rayola and that was always going to, I agree with you guys. It was always going to be an uphill battle. Um, but I, I do think that Matt rule, you can tell that he's the son of a uh, preacher, right? I mean, he is gifted with a silver tongue and he can, he can talk as, as good as any coach, uh, in a, in a living room, I, I believe. And so, yeah, I mean, if, it just it all starts with acquiring talent, mm-hmm. right? And then supplementing that talent with development. And um, I, I'm I'm certainly willing to give Matt Rule the benefit of the doubt because, I mean, I, I hate it when you know we analyze. Oh, how did this coach or that coach perform in a press conference? And he won the press conference. He lost the press conference. Well, who the heck cares? But I'll say that Matt rule, he, he is doing the right things. He's saying the right things. Um, and I, I think I mentioned this to you, Chris, uh, last time I was on your show that, you know, I was in Omaha recently and, uh, got on a plane and, uh, and Matt, Matt rule, he was sitting in like seat one a, and he was the first guy on the plane. And I was not seated. I was just a little bit behind him and not one person recognized him. I couldn't believe it. Incognito, man. That's that's all good. Well, uh, Lars here, while we're talking Matt Rule and his rebuild, you've had an up-close view at, at Nick Saban, what he's done at Bama, as you kind of laid out, and you've seen a couple other schools in the SEC go on a rise as well. So what are you going to be watching for from Matt Rule in year one to see if, if he's got Nebraska headed in the right direction? Effort. Effort level, 100%. Just never give up and just uh, just toughness. I mean, that's what that's what Nick Nick's right out of the gate in 2008. Um, uh, you could tell that it was just a different level of intensity uh, come game day. And I, I've sort of I've used this metaphor probably way too many times in writing. But like Nick had to shake the tree and have all the bad apples fall. Right. And there was just uh, some some guys that weren't committed to uh to doing things the way he wanted to and and nick had there was this mass exodus of players uh after the 2008 season and i've talked to greg mcelroy at length about this um you know greg he doesn't live too far from me now but uh he um you know he was like a three-star recruit uh by mike shula and uh and he and, and a smart guy He'll tell you he's a smart guy too. Uh, <laughs> he's a road scholar finalist. Yeah. Um, but but he so he had a front row seat to everything, and and he ended up winning a national championship as a starting quarterback. But it, it it's all about just uh, like just the the attitude and the effort level and the the commitment and just doing things the right way. Like every and and you know it's. Uh, 
it's tired to keep talking about the process of Nick Saban, right? But it, it really means just focusing on what is the next thing I need to do and how can I do that to the best of my ability? Don't even think about the, the second next thing you need to do. It's just right in front of you. And then when it comes to being in a game, every play is its own living, breathing organism. And once that play is done, it's wiped from memory. And you just focus on the very next play on your assignment. And Nick preaches this uh, philosophy of if you see a lot, you see a little. If you see a little, you see a lot. So focus on the little. Focus on what is right in front of you. Don't focus on results. Focus on what you have to do one thing at a time. And I, I feel like I just uh, <laughs> just am, am like uh, I've become Nick Saban's parrot here. But that's, I, I've that's been all right. Him. It sounds a lot like rule. Quite honestly, is as detailed as he is. Where there is it's process oriented. Large couple of minutes. We got to rock out. But you're awesome for giving us a couple of segments. Do you see any of, of Jeff Sims? In Jalen Hurts, as far as skill set with with the dual threat ability, Sims is a big dude that can run. He's had his moments, but some turnover issues in Georgia Tech. Uh, I look at Hurts and, and what kind of a, a ball player he was at Bama, and then what he's become in the NFL, how he's refined his throw, and he's really, really awesome to, to watch. Is that crazy to throw out there, or is there a way Nebraska could use him uh, in this offense this year, similar to how Bama used Hurts uh, down at, down in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we talked about Jalen today on on my show for a long time. Um, he's he he has improved more than any player I've ever seen mm-hmm. in the last five years. I never would, and and I did a, a five thousand word piece on Jalen when he was a, a freshman at Alabama, and I went down to Channel View, Texas, and talk to his, uh, you know, former coaches, uh, talk to like, you know, band members, uh, classmates, teachers, and none of them even thought he was going to be good enough to get even a scholarship to division one school, much less to Alabama. And now here he is the highest paid player in the NFL until Joe Burrow sur- surpasses him here in a couple of days, most likely. Um, but uh, yeah, I do see a little bit of, uh, of Jalen Hurts in, in, in Jeff Sims. And I think I really think Sims, uh, if he plays within himself, takes care of the ball. Mm-hmm. He has a skill set that is just off the charts, and he has a. I think if he develops, right? If he keeps developing, keeps improving, um, he could have a nice long NFL career. I'm not sure if it's like a, as a top flight starter or even a starter, but I think uh, he is an NFL player. Lars Anderson with us, New York Times bestselling author, host down in Tuscaloosa, statewide radio, uh, covering the Crimson Tide. And you follow and find Lars on Twitter at LarsAnderson71. Lars, 30 seconds. What's uh, next for you when it comes to writing? And, and you got any books you're working on, bud? I, I, I currently have a book that is out there with a few different editors. It has to do with uh, Newt Rockney oh, wow. and Al Capone. Really? And, uh, and a plane crash that took uh, Newt Rockney's life. And uh, it's a really it's an untold story, but we'll see if I can tell it. We'll see if uh, I can you know, convince uh, an editor to go for it. But, but my agent loves it and we'll, we'll see. But uh, other than that, man, uh, 
my little kids uh, keep me pretty occupied. You know that, Chris. I bet, I Actually, bet. I, my my son Lincoln, he's got he's eight. That's awesome. And, and uh, named after Lincoln, Nebraska, by the way, as you know, Chris. And uh, he is a he has football practice, flag football here, just in about a half hour. Or so I'm going to be heading over there, but. Um, yeah, just uh, being a dad. And you know how exhausting that can be. Absolutely. Lars, we'll check in soon, brother. Thank you for the time. All right. Keep the faith. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Lars Anderson. Two segments with Lars. We'll get that posted. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play is where you go to get the podcast download. Full show or the segments you want to hear. The Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Uh, appreciate the kind words, Scott. Email from Kent. Always love Kent keeping me in check. Uh, we know it's the preseason when folks are comparing Sims to Hertz. <laughs> Maybe. But listen, you've got a guy that is built, is fast, got a good arm, and you have a difference in what was around Hertz, dare I say, than what's projected to be around Sims, all right? Bama and Nebraska. Uh, Bama after championships, Nebraska trying to to get back to a bowl. So, no, I, I totally get it. And, and Hertz wasn't the best thrower in college, but he's good enough. And then he's gone to a whole different level at throwing the football. And just from a usage standpoint, wouldn't you want to – wouldn't you want to look at Nebraska's offense? We'll hear from Marcus Satterfield here. But look at Nebraska's offense, and if they want to be a multi, a, a positionless offense, and and their their base is what it's going to be physicality and being tough and being able to run the football. They also want to take shots. They're not going to be just Oklahoma from 1985 where they won a football game, not throwing a forward pass, just straight up rushing attempts. Nebraska, I would think, could drift towards. All right, what's the matchup? Where's the advantage, and what can we ask our quarterback to do? Can he get under center, and can they go heavy and wear out a team between the tackles, Elijah, or can they spread it out? We asked Mitch Sherman this question last hour, and yeah, they can they can go with some zone read game, and you just got a you had a fabulous athlete that's strong and has a good arm. The, the, the thing's going to be about accuracy. And you can you can find easy throws in an offense to keep the chains moving. And I think that's what Bama did when they didn't want to hand off to a, uh, an All-American at running back behind an All-American line. <laughs> okay, so it's apples and oranges. But I'm saying from a skill set standpoint, what you ask quarterback to do and what he's able to do, could be uh, could be nice and, for Nebraska. And I think people have some hindsight bias here looking back here and forgetting Hertz's profile as an NFL draft prospect. And, Third round. And I went and pulled it up. This following his year at Oklahoma, which is probably his best year as a college starter. Right. And he and he got, raised the profile. And he it raised it because he got let's say it. I mean he got Lincoln Riley coaching him at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Let's uh read through the profile here really quick. Uh shows poised to make plays late in games. These are the strengths, by the way. Uh able to step and throw with good <laughs> velocity. Uses athletic ability and strength to elude pocket pressure. I play extender who can make big plays on the move. Uh, 
good accuracy on intermediate passes, capable as a rollout passer, talented, powerful runner from both direct snap and RPO actions. Okay, those are the strengths of Jalen Hurts, which I think a lot of those have parallels to Kent, Kent, Kent takes the steel chair off the, off the third turnbuckle and crushes me. Hurts, three years, 48 touchdowns, 12 picks, got benched. Sims, 30 touchdowns, 23 interceptions. How many t- I'll, I'll, I'll ask this. How many times was Hurts trailing? I'll also ask this. How good is Georgia Tech's offensive line compared to Alabama's offensive line? And skill players. And skill players. But, but I mean, can, I mean that, can, was, that was the wide receiver room that had Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and whoever the hell else. I think they had three first-round draft picks well, in that wide receiver wasn't it, Didn't they have O.J. the tight end? Uh, O.J. First, Howard? Yeah, yeah first they round. Did. Yeah. They did. Yeah. But let's go through the weaknesses. Sorry. Uh, thank you, Ken. Misses checkdowns and opts for harder throws. <laughs> He's greedy. <laughs> Inconsistent patience, allowing routes to develop. Uh, needs to get better at trusting his pocket. Quick to drop his eyes when pressure mounts. Uh, more likely to void pocket than climb, scan, and throw from it. And leave slants and crossers behind targets. So it's accuracy. Timing. I mean, which I, th- I think are things that we have heard about Jeff Sims coming from Georgia Tech as well. The one that I think you add to Jeff Sims that you don't have on Jalen Hurts is decision-making. Uh, they, they give slow recognition. They don't say poor decision-maker outright. Mm-hmm. But that's the one thing you'd add to Jeff Sims' weaknesses as of right now. Uh, but I also think Jalen Hurts kind of uh, took away some question marks in his decision-making with that year at Oklahoma. The Lincoln-Riley system really, really aided him in his development there. So I think you can, see, you can Philly's, see parallels. Philly's coaching. It's that's not, it's not that's perfect. what I'm asking. That's what I'm asking. It's not a perfect comparison. It's apples to oranges. Totally with the situation, it absolutely is. But there's but, no comp that is going to be perfect. I can see the parallels there. I'm not sure Hertz's name I would go for, but I don't think it's a bad comparison by any Well, means. I'm saying you can use him like Philly's using him. Now in the NFL where there's, there's a – there's a or look at look at Russell Wilson in Seattle, first few years mm-hmm. they did run some zone read with him, and they ran a lot of pro style under center. I'm saying from a, from an offensive standpoint, you can use both with this guy, and it, it could work to your advantage. That's all I'm saying. You have the ability to kind of do both and hopefully do it well if you're a Nebraska fan. Well, and, and just one more point to make sure, here. Whatever, that's all good. You, to go back to the point about Jalen Hurts and the interceptions, comparing that to Jeff Sims. Uh, Josh Allen, barely a 2-1 to touchdown-to-interception ratio in college. Well, and... 43-21. to And, and which, Gary still sends him birthday cards. Which, it's, it's a fine ratio to have, but it's nothing compared to Jalen Hurts. If you look at those two quarterbacks, you'd sit there and go, well, Jalen Hurts is clearly the better prospect. I think time has shown us that They're both college good. stats <laughs> are not the be-all, end-all because of the talent that is around you. I'm not sitting here saying that Nebraska's talent is the best in the world. And and I'm not make, saying he's Jalen Hurts. Look perfect. I'm saying use him like Jalen Hurts, yes. and maybe, maybe you do if you're Satterfield. Let's talk about... Sat and the offense here as we squeeze it in. And uh, let's hear about Sims and his camp, how things have gone. You have a cut number? Six. Gotcha. Uh, I think he, he, he improved every single day. I think that he had a, a goal. He wanted to take care of the football. Uh, he wanted to increase his completion percentage. Uh, the first four or five days, the completion percentage wasn't as good as we wanted. Getting used to, again, playing all these different looks and stuff we're getting. And I think he just chipped away at it, and by the end of, this, uh, by the end of camp, it's, you know, it's, it's around where we want it to be. And I think that uh, you know, he did a really nice job of taking care of the football. That was a huge emphasis for him. And then him just not being scared to use his legs. You know, don't be scared to use your legs when needed. 
So that's uh, a big part of this component. Uh, <laughs> last thought from Kent via email. Interesting comparison, LOL. <laughs> Fair enough. That's, that's all good. Fair enough, Kent. It's all right. Uh, this is coffee for all of you watching on the stream. I promise you it is not Smirnoff time or Tito's time yet. Uh, more from Coach Sat here on the scrimmage. Did uh, Nebraska do better last Saturday? Uh, we went into it with the main focus of just operationally cleaning up the operation and playing with great tempo. And I don't mean like no huddle, like being able to mix that stuff in, but just getting in and out of the huddles, getting substitutions on and off the sideline. We worked really hard at that last week uh, prior, and it showed. I think we did a really nice job, had no issues in the scrimmage, and I think it allowed us to play a little bit more free and it got us started a little bit faster. Uh, last thought here on Sims, completion percentage goals. A number was said today. Right. I mean, you'd like to be over 65. I mean, you're playing pretty good quarterback. You're quarterbacking at a high level if you're around 65%. Can you get that? I hope so. You can get that through checkdowns, dare I say, intermediate routes to find your tight end. Your lowest percentage completion out there is your deep ball. But guys who um, who traditionally have struggled with accuracy have been incredible. At the deep ball. I'm going to do some research in the break and see Nebraska's 65% passers, who they were, if there are any. Uh, Joe Gans, Zach Taylor, Adrian Martinez. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time tomorrow, Evan Bland, and uh, we'll spend time with Mike Babcock. Big thanks to Lars Anderson, Mitch Sherman today. And reminder to get buckled up, use your seatbelt. It saves lives, prevents injuries only if properly worn. Buckle up, a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Quick question uh, on the, uh, the the measurables. Cam Newton, how big was Cam at Auburn, says Rule Aid 757. I think Cam was 6'5", sound right, but 260-ish. Let's pull up the stats. I've been doing a whole bunch of stat checking here during the commercial I, I, break. I love so it. Um, I'll pull it up and look at for what, what, what you, what'd you find out. What would you find out with uh, 65% crew? I'll, I'll get there in one second. Cam Newton, 6'5", 248 pounds at the combine. So it's okay. Uh, combine, so it's 250. Mm-hmm. He's giant. Okay. And like what I, Dante Culpepper big. What I have found, not a single quarterback has ever had a completion percentage over 65% in their Husker career. Really? And only two have ever done it uh, in a Husker season overall. So you're talking cumulative and then season. Yes. The closest to getting it over their entire Husker career was Adrian Martinez. His career completion percentage at Nebraska uh, was 63.5%. And overall, if you add in the year with Kansas State, 63.6%. So that's the closest a Husker quarterback's ever been to 65%. There's one other quarterback. Can you name who it is? Um, that had any a, a uh, actually wait, let's do some fact checking here. There was a quarterback that hit sixty five percent, but it was only in one season that they really got significant snaps. Recent, somewhat. Uh, Gans. It was Joe Gans. Boom. Joe Gans in his career, not only member but president of the fan club. Sixty five point one percent completion percentage in his Husker career. Good for 5,000. Was that 08? That was 08. In 08, he hit a 67% completion percentage, and then his limited time in 2007, uh, he had a 59% completion percentage. He averaged out to 65.1%. So Hans Sandhill Quest says, Matt Rule going to be by Sports Nightly in about five minutes. Do you want to drop by? That'd be fun. 
It'll be all right. I'll bring the uh, the beer. Elijah, what are you bringing? Steaks? Gas station hot dogs with nacho cheese you on top. We got to make it quick. We got to be there in five minutes. Yeah, probably not. But thank you for the invite. <laughs> <laughs> Who are these guys? Where's security? No, it's all good. But uh, well, something that did surprise me is completion percentage-wise across an entire Husker career, Taylor Martinez outpaced Zach Taylor. Okay. Is that surprising to you? Is it surprising to me to read? Well, in the, in the offense, he had a lot of quick throws. And I'll say this for T-Magic. He was good about checking the football down to Amir and Rex. His final two seasons, he had a completion percentage over 62%. Nice. Both years. And he worked on it. Yeah, for a, com- a career completion percentage of 59.8%. As for Zach Taylor, his best every year was 59.6%. Zach's, huh? Well, I was off there. But I wasn't too far off with my picks. All right, uh, check the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and uh, can download the pod that way or the YouTube channel, Hail Varsity. Find us on Twitter at HVarsityRadio. And uh, show also on KFOR Facebook and Twitter. Uh, check us out tomorrow at 4. Good to spend time with Lars Anderson, Mitch Sherman. Big thanks to them. Big thanks to you for all your comments in the stream and emails. And Todd, flex brother, for mowing between 1.30 and 3 today in this godforsaken heat. Talk to you tomorrow with Hale Varsity presented by Currency. A Huda Media Production.